This is an AMI podcast. There are lots of ways for you to get in touch with the show. Things that you like, things that you didn't. Doesn't matter, we have thick skin. Social media, lots of channels available to you at Accessible Media on Twitter slash X, at Accessible Media on TikTok. Why not tag the network on a little video? Let your face be seen and your voice be heard on TikTok at Accessible Media. If you prefer Instagram or Facebook, at Accessible Media Inc. is where you find those two points of contact at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. If you feel like really typing out your thoughts, maybe writing a letter, you can't actually mail it to us, but you can send an email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or pick up the phone and give the show a call, 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. I don't mind how you do it. I just want to hear your thoughts. Like I said, no matter what you hear on the show, if it rubs you the right way or the wrong way, ruffles your feathers or gives them a good stroke i want to hear what you think so chime in 1-866-509-4545 welcome back it's now with dave brown on ami tv the memoir north of normal has been adapted into a movie the book is by cs sunrise pearson the film stars sarah gadon and amanda fix before michael mcneely shares his thoughts on the film let's take a clip from the film's trailer a mother and daughter hug outside a bus station who looks after you my mom does now they dance on a beach. I was living with my grandparents in the Yukon for the last six years. I moved around a couple times with my mom and one of her boyfriends. Carl and I love each other, and he's an Aries. Fire! Something Stop burns in the bed of a truck. The driver flings it away. Come on, Sia, we're going. So why'd they break up? They all break up. Mom and daughter walk away from the driver. Canoes float on a lake. It's a bear! What you gonna do next time you see a bear? You gonna run away? What you gonna do? The little girl and grandpa do threat poses. I'm gonna go to the city. We can't leave. We just got here. Not you, sweetheart. Just me. The little girl looks shocked. Years later, in another pickup truck. I'm not going anywhere, Sia. Mm -hmm. They all say it. They all leave. I'm trying to make us a family. We already are a family. We can't just be the two of us. Why not? Why can't you just choose me? Entertainment critic Michael McNeely has thoughts on North of Normal. Michael is in studio today alongside his intervener, Jill. Hey, good morning, Michael. How are you? Michael, I am good. I saw a preview for this film over the summer. I didn't get a chance to catch it while it was in theaters. You said you found it on iTunes, which is cool. You thought the adaptation was good, but not great. You're going to walk through some ways the film could have been made better, starting with the development of the character's childhood. What do you think this film needed more of? You're asking what I think the film made a point of. What did, it, what did it need more of in regard oh, to the development of the character's childhood? So, ultimately, I felt the trailer is a bit misleading 
Um, there's a lot of events in the trailer that make it seem like the film takes place outdoors in the child's upwitting. It actually is less than 10 minutes of the film's runtime. That old, that trailer is actually filmed in the beginning. Um, I wish that there was more of the wilderness aspect, more of being raised outdoors, because Sia has a very interesting history and backstory. She was living in the Yukon for most of her childhood, I think up until she was about 10 years old. And I just felt that the movie rushed through that and it was to the more interesting parts of the story. And I, I want to know why. I feel like someone in the White House room should have stuck their, stuck their foot down and said, you know, this is the interesting part of the story, and let's stay here for a bit longer. Let's keep working with these characters. And the setting, this amazing setting, by the way, which you got to see in the trailers outdoors, and, you know, our Canadian wilderness is definitely beautiful, so we should stick with that a little bit more. Robert Carlyle plays Papa Dick. How do you think his character was portrayed? So the story behind Papa Dick is that he took his entire family. When his daughter was pregnant at 15, he took the entire family to the wilderness. We don't know why. It's not mentioned in the movie, but maybe we can guess that he was a bit ashamed of his daughter and he wanted to go into the wilderness. Or maybe he just felt that that was the best place for the family. So Papa Dick is a bit scary because he has that power to uproot the family. He has the power to make his daughter feel like she failed him by having sex at 15. Although, you know, fairness was probably having sex a lot more than just 15. Um, so at this, at this point, we see Papa Dick being mean towards his daughter, but being very nice towards his granddaughter, who is Sia and who is the person that this book is about. So it's interesting to have someone who can, you know, flip, flip, flip like a coin and have different aspects of his personality. So again, I wish we had more time with Papa Dick to understand his things. Michael, in these last couple of answers, you've identified that the film does a little bit of time jumping here. How did that affect the way that you experienced the sequence of events? So, when we look at stories that typically have to do with PTSD or trauma, of course, there is, you know, jumping around in time because people's memories are not linear. So sometimes we have films that want to pay homage to that by making us go to the same thing as the characters. But without a skilled hand, it doesn't often work. Um, here, I see what they were trying to do, but I feel that there would have been more momentum, more narrative momentum, if you just told the story from beginning to end normally and then show the trauma happening when she starts to identify that she has these traumatic memories. And the point of the point that I want to share with everyone is that she does have PTSD from a sexual assault that is shown in glimpses. So it's still triggering for people, but it's maybe fifteen seconds of one time, thankfully. So if you're going to accept the format that the film was put out in, that it is a little bit time jumpy. How could the filmmaker have made that experience better? What about something like a narrator? That's a good question. I think, I think first of all, I would have liked to say some narration. I think narration would have helped to say, you know, my name is Sia. I have been through these experiences, but I have survived. I am better 
No, than I was before. What's really interesting about Thea is that, you know, she became a model when she was 13. She traveled the world. She went to Paris. She went to New York City. But we don't see that in this film. We, because I think they got the rights to the first book that she wrote, but not the second book. So maybe you're kind of cut in there. But I think you could have made some references to the second book or to the events of what happened later in Sia's life. Because ultimately, we leave her at, when she's 13 years old, we leave her just at the beginning of her modeling career. And when I finished the movie, I thought she was going to leave that, but it turns out that she found success in it. So I feel like we, you know, like in documentaries, we often see things at the end of the documentary that tell us what happened to the people. I think we should have had something like that in this movie, but we didn't. What's your general thought around narration? I know there are some film critics that claim that narration is one of the laziest things a filmmaker can do. Well, this is a loaded question. Um, I know, I know. I'm putting you on the spot with a tough one today. Well, I mean, I think narration can be a great tool, especially if the words are literary, which I'm assuming that C.S. memoir, which I have not read, is literary. I think the least one could do is show that she said these words, that she wrote them down somewhere. So in the process of writing them down somewhere, you're saying them out loud, and then you might as well act them. So I think, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of narration at the beginning and the end. Just to set the scene, I don't think it's lazy. I think we've talked about this before, there's showing and telling, and sometimes, you know, there's not enough of it either. I've, I've told you this before, Martin Scorsese is my favorite filmmaker of all time, and this guy loves using narration, and it's great. Goodfellas, Casino, Wolf of Wall Street. In all these cases, the narration made the movie better. I don't think it's lazy. I just think it's lazy if you do it badly. Well, yeah, it's lazy if you say, you know, Michael Chilean and Dave are doing a, they're doing a cable television or they're doing a podcast, and then you go right into it, I think. I think you mentioned Goodfellas. I think Goodfellas is amazing because it really takes us into the mindset of what it's like to be a boy. Because, you know, there's things you can show, but you can't, you can't show the inner workings unless you do some really dream montage or some mm. strange thing. So I think in some ways you have to say, you know, after I saw that boy beaten to a pope, my life must change forever. Mm. I think just that sentence is enough. Yeah. And just don't overdo it. I mean, like, anything you have in moderation is good. Michael, I, I will confess to you that when I saw this trailer in the theaters, I found it to be compelling, and I was a bit bummed out by how fast it went out of theaters, because I was really considering trying to get to it and see it in a theater, because I, there was something about the trailer that drew me in. I, I thought it looked really interesting. and. I get the impression that even though you've got your critiques, there is stuff you liked about it. So what do you think the adaptation of North of Normal did well? Well, I think what's really interesting is the relationship between Zia and her mother, who was pregnant at 15 with her. Um, I think it's really fascinating to see that, that Michelle, who's the mother, maybe did not age past 15 in some respects, but more or less had maturity thrust upon her. Michelle is the kind of person that will um, think that any man who comes in her life will save her, and in turn would save her daughter. 
So she does have some, you know, goodness in her. But her dependence on men is, of course, backfires spectacularly. And Sia needs to realize that her mother is never going to change, that she can't change her mother. Um, and that's really interesting to me. I think that's part of the reason why we stopped being stopped spending so much time in the wilderness, because we wanted to come to terms about this relationship. And I think the acting was phenomenal in terms between um, the daughter, the mother, and the grandfather. And so the family dynamics are just so interesting that I could spend maybe a TV show watching that. But ultimately, I appreciate the fact that this has a lesson about, you know, not being able to change your parents, not being able to change your family, but trying to learn to accept them and find a way to move on past the harms that they've done. Would you recommend North of Normal? I think I would recommend it, because the story is important, and I think I would just caution that it could have been better, and hopefully someday they'll remake it again, or they'll, they'll do the second book, and that second book would include some things from the first book. Mm. Reading between the lines, do you feel like perhaps the story was incomplete? Well, yes, I, I think. I think there's, there's spend more time in the wilderness and spend more time with Papa Dick, spend more time trying to understand how she survived this and how she thrived. Yeah. Because right now, I think she lives in Vancouver and she's raising three children. Yeah. But we don't know that she got there yet. It, 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 it's a question that I think a lot of filmmakers and directors and writers have to consider now. Am I making a movie or am I making a miniseries? And it, it does strike me that we're, we've shifted to a time where more people are making miniseries or TV series rather than movies. This might have been the case where somebody tried to go in the other direction, sort of do the zig instead of the zag, and maybe made the wrong choice. It's possible, I think. I think the Canadian film industry is complex, and it's hard to find grants and funding. Right. So maybe somebody just said, you know, met this in an hour and a half movie, but I think it just needed more time to breathe, and it needed more time to be in the wilderness, because, mm -hmm. again, Canada's wilderness is beautiful and frightening mm -hmm. at the same time. Absolutely. Michael, thank you for this. Have a great day. You too. That's Michael McNeely, entertainment critic, with a review of North of Normal. You can find the film on iTunes for rent, as well as for rent on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime Video, Amazon Video, Amazon Prime Video, the major river retailer, as I like to call it on the air. Coming up after the break, the Mona Lisa, probably the most famous piece of art of all time. It is celebrated, and some folks say it's overrated. Where do you stand? Alex Smythe poses this question in the roundtable chat. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.